Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, of course. And as always, I am joined here by my compadre, Dale Dempsey, COO. What's up, buddy? Hola. (laughs) I couldn't resist. (laughs) That was good. Yeah. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We hope you find the content really interesting. This is just a conversation. Imagine you're sitting at a bar. We don't have any drinks in our hands, but maybe we should. There's a huge festival going on in town, so maybe we should have run over there. But anyway, yeah. So if you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a returning listener, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to check us out on our YouTube channel, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. And you can check out our digs. And we're just casual today because it's a little bit hot out right now and our building doesn't have the best air units on days like this. So anyway, you know, I thought today would be a really interesting topic. And that is really just addressing what we're seeing in the marketplace in terms of all of a sudden, we're seeing large advisors, W-2 retail advisors, moving to other W-2 firms, in particular, Morgan Stanley and UBS, which I think is really interesting because, hmm, those firms were out of protocol. There was somebody that said, I forget who it was, about two years ago, that said, I give them about three years, they'll start recruiting again. I think that was me. I think that was you. It might have been me. There's, it's, in, it's in a previous episode, actually, I think. It is. The reality is they're still not in protocol, but they are clearly back in the business of recruiting. And I can't say that I blame them because I know how it works. And the reality is, which is what I said before, is that a branch can't grow its client AUM. An individual producer in a branch can't grow their AUM faster than the manager hiring an advisor with $300 million from another firm. It's impossible. And so the only way firms are able to continue to grow their AUM, especially public firms, grow their assets under management in a meaningful way is through recruiting. It is what it is. And what I think is really more interesting is that, because what I've said in the past is, listen, you may not like recruiting, and that's because you're overpaying for practices. They're chasing the money. That's their prerogative to do that. But there are some firms like Raymond James, for instance, that isn't the high deal in the street. And they consistently recruit year in and year out. They're very profitable, and they get great advisors to their firm. And they're not the high bid. And so these firms should just really be careful about what they're paying for practices. And again, for someone like me, our, our job, candidly, is to get our clients as much money as possible. So I'm not saying doing it for our clients because when, when I'm bringing a client to that one of those firms, I'm going to expect that they pay a lot for my clients. The elite deal? The elite deal. We want the elite deal, right? Our clients get the elite deal. We don't care what they're paying everybody else. Our clients are different. But it is interesting that they are back in the space. And it also brings up another question because part of what we're seeing, which we have been seeing, and we're not going to talk about it today, but you know, this movement to independence So why are some of these advisors not going independent? Thank you, JP Morgan, for letting all your private bankers go to Morgan and UBS and kickstarting their appetite. So y'all just served up a nice little appetizer. That's that's true. That that, that happened. Oh, by the way, Merrill is looking to serve an entree in the same space. Merrill, yeah. And so I think people are 
starting to take a look at that and say, oh, oh, look at that team and look at that team. And at first they entertain the conversation with one of these firms Mm -hmm. and quickly realize that, well, it's more or less the same. Maybe it's a little bit better than where I am today. And and it's a solution. What what really happens is they say, (laughs) maybe it's the same, but when I look at my checking account, it's different. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, when I, that's, when that's, I look that's at my checking account, there's it. a lot more zeros in it the day after I go to UBS or Morgan Stanley than staying at one of those other firms. I do see a lot of that. Every firm has their pluses and minuses. As long as you can make a decision to go to a firm like that, even though I'm a huge proponent of independence and private practice and all that stuff, I do also do realize, and some of these people are my friends, that... Some advisors aren't cut out for that. Not, yeah, not right. even close. Right. And actually, you know, staying inside of what you know best and what works for you and your clients is always the right thing That's to do. That's the most important thing. You can go to some other independent firm, and if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be in serious trouble. It's important that you understand that, and it's okay. Yes, you're hearing everybody go independent. Don't feel like you should be going independent just because you see other people doing it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you. Right. The independent space has just become a lot more robust. So now the band of advisors that go there are, you know, it's wider because there's more services. It's there's more firms that have a presence in your local market. We're not going to talk about about independence, right? So we're no, but I'm I'm tying this back in. The reality is, it's just a band. Okay, it doesn't mean that it's right for you because you might be. You might be 25% in that band and the other 75%, you really belong in an institution that's a large place that can provide services that yeah, look, can, your lifestyle, candidly other- Your lifestyle, lifestyle yeah. might be that way. You might, oh, that's a good point. Right. You, you don't want to- There's things that you have to do when you're, when you're an independent business owner that you maybe just don't want to have to deal with. Maybe you don't want to deal with staff. Maybe you don't want to deal with offices. You don't want to deal with the rent, the utilities, and all that garbage. You just want someone to take care of it. And candidly, you're okay with getting the big check up front and you understand, because you should understand, that all they're really doing is paying you your future dollars, right? That's what a transition deal really is. You should owe taxes on it. So all those things, which again, we're not going to get into, but our bigger point is it's okay, right? It's no, okay it's great. to do that. Well, definitely. Um, the other thing I think is spurring some of this on, and, and maybe we'll use Merrill as an example, we had a local team here leave and they went, they left Morgan Stanley and they went to UBS. And every market that you're in, so if you're in a given market, you can think about they're very small markets. They'll go through these waves of movement. The reason why they go through waves of movement, even when the same managers are there, is because if you leave and you go take a big check from UBS, I'm going, damn, Dale just hit the bid, man. Maybe. I start talking to my team, say, you know what? Dale just left. All the accounts I inherited from him, they all left with him. So maybe we should start thinking about it. And that's what starts happening. The other thing is if I'm an advisor, I'm thinking to myself, all these firms have worked into their metrics, the loans that they're going to give me as a new advisor. So automatically after the loan is paid back, are you really providing me with the same margin value that you were for the first decade that I was here? Nothing changes. The economics don't change. So the way I look at it, if I'm an advisor, I'm just going to go recapitalize myself yet again. Yeah, and that's, and you should be doing. I that. also so I I think that that's another reason why this wave I think is coming is that a lot of these advisors that made those moves eight, nine, ten years ago. Because think about what happened ten years ago. Thereabouts. Market crash. Yep. A lot of guys moved. They had to recapitalize because they lost a lot of their money, so they had to move in order to get that check. Well, those contracts are all coming due. 
And to your point, if I'm that advisor, I'm off contract, I'm thinking, why am I staying here? What are you really giving me that the Morgan Stanley office or the Wells office or the RBC office, or, and I don't, I don't want to get emails about culture and RBC and Steve all different cultures. I get it. But my point is on a general point of view, what are you really adding value and why shouldn't I go and take that check? 150%, it's a, it's an 80 some firms. The conflicts, that's the challenge. That's what I see is the conflicts for the client. That's the challenge in that space. While the other spaces, you have different business ownership challenges. Mm -hmm. This challenge is all about, well, yeah, I need to recapitalize myself. I need to take advantage of the, of the, the fact that maybe I'm not getting full value on who I am as an individual, what I provide to my clients. Bringing well, that back to your clients full yeah, circle, look, you got to make the I, right move. Right. When I say, even when I, when I ran a branch for Smith Barney, I used to recruit advisors. I used to say to them, look, you have to answer yes to three questions in this particular order. And if the answer is no to any one of those questions, you shouldn't move. The first question was, is the new firm right for your clients? And whatever that means, it could be, you know, we're working with one client and they need family office services and they need certain things. And so it limits where they can go. So is it right for your clients? If the answer is yes, that's good. You move on to the next question. That is, is it better for your practice for your business meaning can you do more business at the new firm again for whatever those reasons are based on your book of business maybe it's alternatives you can do more business with an alternative platform i worked with a client that we moved and he had texted me because his business has really grown because he was able to do he was able to have access to i should say not necessarily do but have access to a better alternative platform so it's not that he did more alternatives but it gave him something more to talk about with mm-hmm. potential clients, prospects. Sure. It opened the door yeah. for conversations that he couldn't have ordinarily. So that's number two. Is it right for your business? Number three, is it right for you and your family? And that's the deal money, culture. What's the office like? Visualize yourself in that space. What's the manager like? Because you have a different manager. You might like your current manager. What are your centers of influence going to say to you at this new firm? Branding, right? Those you know, are, name yeah. brand is, is, is important. Yeah. I don't think it's as important as it used to be. Nowadays, advisors really own the relationship, meaning the clients are with them because of the client, unless you're at a private bank or something like that. And even that, there's some nuances to that too. Well, look, I, I bring up the center Clients of- Clients doesn't give a crap whether the, whether the person's at UBS or Morgan Stanley. But the center of influence might. The center of influence might. That's why I brought it up because I think, hey, you've got to take that. Is it right for your family going on that's the fringes? Business, of, that's the number two. That right? might be a business. So thing. is it okay. right for your business? Yeah. If you have centers of influence that have some apprehension with Morgan Stanley, for instance, I'm, and again, I'm not saying anything about Morgan. Well, yeah, what, it, it could be a for any firm. Any firm. Wells Fargo. For a period of time, Wells Fargo was in the news all the time. We had clients up in the Massachusetts marketplace in Boston area, and it was really more prevalent up there. If you were an advisor with centers of influence- and they had real problems with Wells Fargo, and you went to Wells Fargo, you might have had a problem. You had to figure out what does that look like. But that's really your number two, right? So is it right for your business? And if you feel like centers of influence are going to have a problem, then you can't do it. Account fees, pricing, we talk about householding. It doesn't may not seem like it's a big deal, but some firms are more liberal with their householding policies. So you're not nickel and diming all your clients, right? You have a wealthy client, and their grandchildren live at a different address, and your firm doesn't let you household them, even though it's really the same relationship. Those are the types of things that you have to look at. That's a, is it right for your client? And also, is it right for your business? 
Some firms pay on lending, some firms don't. If you look at way far into the future again, any chance UBS or Morgan Stanley get back into protocol? Because if they start to recognize the trade war that might go on with any firm, and maybe there's a merger and acquisition somewhere inside of there that makes, yeah, I don't know, Honestly, a rival bigger and they have um, to address it. Now that I see what they're doing, so I used to think about UBS coming back into protocol. And I've talked to some people at UBS and like, hey, listen, one of the challenges with recruiting to you guys is you're not in protocol. And that's a hurdle that some advisors just don't want to take. With what I'm seeing today, I don't think it matters anymore. I think that they're hiring the teams that they want to hire, even though they're not in protocol. There's no upside for them to go back into protocol because they're losing people anyway. So being out of protocol is not helping. It's not slowing advisor teams down. Advisors that are leaving UBS or Morgan Stanley, I'm not just picking on UBS, but advisors that are leaving non-protocol firms are taking all their clients anyway. So going into protocol doesn't solve that problem. And well, if you look at what's going on in the last couple of days or weeks, you see some large Merrill teams, UBS teams going to Morgan Stanley, going to UBS. So they're going to those firms. Yeah, because I guess enough time has passed where they realized, look, TROs only go so far, you know, the well, client think, relationships yes, with the advisor. True. I think really what ends up happening is, because I see this with advisors that are leaving those non-protocol firms and UBS and Morgan Stanley are losing in court with trying to hold on to the clients that they brought to the firm. So if you're going to the firm today, those are still your clients. If you needed to leave four, five, six years from now, seven years from now, eight years from now, there's a high likelihood that you're going to be able to move those clients with you anyway. And ultimately, none of those firms can control where the client can and cannot go. So if you are not soliciting a client, but you are making an announcement to that client, said client, that you're no longer at UBS or Morgan Stanley, whatever, if you're only announcing to them, you're letting them know because you have an obligation to let your client know, hey, when you call Morgan Stanley and I don't answer the phone, I'm not there anymore. I just want to let you know that. Now, if the client asks can I come with you? You can say to them, if that's what they would like, that's their prerogative. It's some subtleties and I, and I don't want to get emails well, but, but, about but, but, people telling me that I'm giving the wrong protocol advice, but there's some subtleties to that conversation. If you're interested in learning more, I'm happy to talk to you about it. But the reality is being in protocol, not bringing in protocol, I don't think matters to them anymore. So why go back into protocol? There's no upside for them. Okay. And this is me telling you this. Because three years ago, I said, they're going to come back into protocol. But it's probably fueling what we're seeing now, where advisors are recognizing protocol really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. One way or another. That's exactly so, what so we're let's just, uptick. Yeah, right. So let's just go, let's go to a firm that's not in protocol. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. So to answer your question, because your question was, do I see UBS or Morgan Stanley going back into protocol? Yeah, but was, My answer is not really, because I don't see any upside for them to do that. I was really trying to get to where we're at now though, which is, all right, so it's safe to take a loan, go to this firm, recapitalize, however, whatever you want to call it. I would tell you that it is. You still have to look at the local management. You still have to look at, again, is it right for your client? Is it right for your business? And is it right for your family? The deals are pretty good. They're structured a little differently. UBS's deal is structured 
differently. It's an upfront transition bonus and then a salary over 12 years. So it's a long time. You're getting a salary. There's some AUM hurdles, but they are there in order to maintain or and or increase the salary that you're getting. That's a little UBS, bit different than in years yeah, past. Yeah, UBS has taken an approach about not trying to incentivize an advisor to generate commissions and revenue sure. in order to hit some back-end bonus. Absolutely. Right? So their structure is a little bit different, which is fine. And for the right advisors, I mean, I have a good friend of mine that I think it's a good deal for him. He's at the right age because you can take that deal. You can shorten the deal. It doesn't have to be a 12-year deal. You can shorten it if, depending on your age. And then you do your alpha program. Again, we trademark dual monetization. That's what dual monetization is. You go to that firm, you take their deal. At the end of their deal, you sell your book of business under their program. And UBS, this is called alpha program. And you've monetized your business twice at the same firm. I think that's a great idea for some advisors. Couldn't agree more. Again, that advisor is not going independent because he's not going to be Maybe he's not going to be around long enough or wanting to work as hard to get the benefit of the increased income. For a period of time, he will, but with the check that they get and all that stuff. That's an interesting phenomena that we're seeing with so many, all these big teams. Look, Merrill's losing advisors left and right. It's no big secret. It's not like telling, we're not telling anything people don't know. And I think that UBS and Morgan Stanley are getting their fair share. More of them than not are going independent because the advisors that they're losing today have been around a long time. They're smart individuals. They've built great teams and they're running businesses within Merrill Lynch. And so for them to lift up and out and go independent is not that big a task. So that's why I think you're, you're seeing them go to LPL, Sanctuary, as an example, some other different firms. Short end of this thing to a long story. We're seeing this wave of W2 to W2 moves. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're an advisor out there and you're thinking about what you want to do, don't feel pressured to go to some independent firm if you don't want to. The deals are very lucrative on the W-2 space. Understand what it is and what it isn't, right? It's a loan and understand how the math works and the loan bonus agreement, all that stuff, forgivable notes. But make sure you do your homework. Make sure you understand, is this going to be beneficial to my clients? And can I sell this to my clients? Because you can't tell your client, it's not really a great firm for you, but they're giving me a shit ton of money. That's not going to go over so well. You have to be able to develop and formulate a story about why you decided UBS over, let's say you're at Wells Fargo, why you decided to go to UBS. And it could be, I did my research, I looked at all the available options, and I felt like UBS for these five reasons would allow me to service you the best I could. And that's why I decided to go there. One thing I've always said is don't be bashful to tell your clients that you got paid to do it. It's a little bit of an ego thing. And your clients should know like you're a wanted person. Like they want you, you're a quality financial advisor. And in order for the firms to attract someone like you, they had to pay you. It's like being a top football quarterback. The firms have to pay you to do this. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's downtime. You have to transition your business. There's yeah, yeah. there's all sorts of stuff. That I, but the downtime has gotten a lot less. It's true. Our transitions are more successful than they've ever been, both in terms of time and in terms of the percentage of clients that you take with you. Keep that in mind. It's not like it used to be if you're an advisor listening to this and you moved 15 years ago or something like that. It's not like it used to be. Um, now, there's some things you can't do when you, when, if you're leaving a UBS or you're leaving a Morgan Stanley. There are things you can't do and you have to be careful about that. So don't just think you can leave and you can take all your information. Please don't try to be cute. Don't try to say, I know the attorney told me I couldn't do this, but I'm doing it anyway. You have to make an assumption it's that the mistake. firm's going to find out yeah, yeah. everything that you do. 
rely on your client relationships. Yeah. So anyway, with that said, it's not surprising that I'm seeing this happening. I have friends at Morgan and they're telling me that they're having a lot of success. The deals are pretty lucrative. If there's interest there, you can give us a call. But it's not surprising to me that this is happening. I said three years ago, I was sort of like half right because I said they'd come back in the protocol because they're going to start recruiting again. So I was sort of half right. I don't yeah. think they're going to come back in the protocol, but they are recruiting again because it's a necessary thing to do. I'm not going to call it a necessary evil because it's our job, but it's a necessary thing for them to do to have a sustainable business and grow that business over time. And that is just go acquire business. That's what they're doing. Anyway, with that said, another great conversation. Maybe I monopolized it a little bit, but I'm passionate about this. But I appreciate it for our new listeners. I hope that was valuable for our followers already. Thank you very much for coming back again. Don't forget to go to iTunes and smash that like button. Check us out on YouTube. Leave great comments, suggestions. Send us emails. Dale at EliteConsultingPartners.com. 856-316-4653. And I'm 4651. You can hit us up on Instagram at franklarosa.elite. I look forward to hearing your comments and we appreciate all the great comments that we get. I love reading them. Anytime I hear somebody tell me, hey, we listened to this podcast. I really learned a lot. It means a lot to us. We try to just put content out that we think is going to be useful at the moment. They're very timely. Our turnaround time is usually only about a week because we want to get this stuff out to everybody. Thank you again. Great talk. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.